Good afternoon, America. Well, good afternoon to the world. Well, I shouldn't say good afternoon to the world. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Uh, I know in some places right now it is the wee hours in the morning. I also know it's the wee afternoon for people like John and I. He's he's early afternoon. I'm mid-afternoon right now because he's around one, I'm three. Um, but, you know, this really, this show is really more tailored for this. Now, don't get me wrong. You can listen to it all around the world, and we're happy that you do. And right now, I think it goes out. Last time I checked, it was last week, and it was going out to 81 countries. So, I mean, I'm happy to everyone who, who listens to it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but really, these are American authors. Now, if you've got authors that are overseas, uh, which we will have a few of those coming and going uh, along, with, along with other people, but if you have someone in particular, just write to us, and we'll, we'll find – and, and if, look, let me do it this way. I always tell people the same way. When you have a guest that you really, 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 really want us, somebody to interview on the network, it doesn't even matter who it is, uh, send their name and any contact information you can get on them, whether it's snail mail, email, telephone, anything you can get to them, because then we, at least we can try to contact them. And if you happen to know the individual, then you can also tell them uh, you know, about spots that they could be interviewed on. Well, currently right now, you can be interviewed on about 30 shows, 30, 34 shows, uh, depending on what you're talking about. But anyway, I want to welcome everyone to the Authors Quill. I really do hope everyone's having a good afternoon on Saturday and having some fun and enjoying life and relaxing from the two weeks of holidays and craziness and freaked out, no nutsoid peoples. Uh, look, people, I live in the South. I thought I thought people in the South were nuts until I went out to L.A. <laughs> We ain't got nothing on them. And I thought people in L.A. was nuts until I went to New York. Shit, L.A. ain't got nothing on New York. Then I'm like, okay, nobody can be crazy in New York. And then I went to D.C. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it just gets progressively worse around the circle. I haven't been to Hong Kong. And I'm sure it is worse, but I haven't been there. But anyway, I have John Goodwin with me tonight. And uh, Dean Wesley Smith is supposed to be joining us. We'll see if, he, if we get him or not. He's a busy, busy, busy man. You know, I was reading through his, um, his, his biography a little while ago. 200 novels in 40 years. So that's five novels a year. Plus he's writing all kind of other stuff while <laughs> I want to know how he does it. Yeah. He's an amazingly product, prolific guy. <clears throat> he was, um, we first connected up with Dean uh, when he was, um, he went from being a pro golfer and he had to go on the pro golf circuit in uh, Southern California. Then he went, um, cause he didn't see that it was really going where, um, to, to writing and he really had a love for that and so he he entered it and won the writers of the future or he was publishing the first volume of, of writers of the future way back in 1985 <clears throat> and that's like the launch of his career and he went to a workshop um later i think that same year or the following year and that's where he met chris russ his it was the first documented romance of writers of the future that's where he met her at a workshop and they've been together since and um just a super nice guy. He's a contest judge. Uh, he's written. Oh, he's fun to talk to. Yeah, he's a ghost writer for a lot of major New York Times bestselling books that he actually wrote under other people's names. Yep. And um, well, he's got. He's. I, I didn't even know when I was going through. Uh, I was actually on his website. I had gone by Wikipedia, and I said, "You know what?" I said, "I know he's got a website." So I, I looked his website up, and I was on his website. I mean, he's he's written a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got yeah. he's got Star Trek novels. He's got Mar Marvel. Movie. I mean, he's got a lot of stuff he's written. And the more I, I look, the more I realize some of this stuff is actually stuff I'm familiar with. 
You know, because mm-hmm. some of the writers I meet at Writers of the Future, I'm not familiar with their works, and some I'm very, very familiar with. It just depends who it is. Yeah. And then I didn't realize how some of it played out with different names uh, until I actually met them, and then I realized that it was uh, the way it was. But um, I mean, he's he's. I've only ever met one other writer like him, and that was uh, Nick Redfern because he writes nine to five, five days a week, and he just. I think he's got like 160 or 180 books out. And I, I don't know how, and in shorter time than Dean has too, by the way, I, I don't know how you do it. I, I, of course, I'm trying to get one done. It's, I'm on what yeah. year. Dean's got now. a monthly magazine he, that he publishes or he yeah. writes everything. It's about 70 to hundred thousand words a month that he publishes in his magazine as well. Well, I'm on the thing uh, where his opinions and, and writings are. And he's, I mean, the more you look around on here, the more stuff you find. A Thunder Mountain, uh, uh, Cedars Universe, uh, Ghosts of Chance, Purple Boy, the the gold, the gold poker game. Now this is just stuff he writes. This is what are these? Uh, these are these just uh, series novels. Is what he's reading. Yeah. And uh, I found it. I just found it kind of strange on there. Uh, and I mean, it just goes on and on. See, I didn't even know he was involved with the Tenth Kingdom, and um, or and his wife was. I didn't even know she even wrote. Oh, so she's I, massively. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, here you got two, two of them just writing across the country. Um, you know, I, I just, I would like to learn how to write. I know it's no, never going to happen, so I'm not going to make myself crazy, but. Uh, All right. Who's yeah. talking to us? I was just trying to call Dean just to uh, oh. say, but it just, it went to voicemail. So. Yeah. Oh, I thought I heard somebody else talking. That was weird. No, it, wasn't, uh, it was his voicemail kicking in. I just. I was, Hello, I am Dean. How are you tonight? Uh, no, he, he well, if we don't get him that guys, we'll get him on, but he's a, um, he's a lot of fun to talk to. And, uh, I spent quite a bit of time with him and, uh, and, uh, Kevin Anderson this year at, um, last year, I should say at writers of the future, learning quite a lot about both of them too. Uh, not much I could tell y'all here, but still, <laughs> I did. It was, it, you know, well, when you, when you actually can sit down and talk with somebody where there's no pressure. And you're just sitting around like we were sitting around. We weren't even drinking. We we're just, I think he was drinking a Coke. I think I was, I was drinking a root beer or something. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, I don't think Kevin was drinking. He was just, he was there talking about his boy from Rush. And then Dean was swapping stories with him. I was just sitting there listening, which is rare for me just to shut up and just listen. And um, I mean, <laughs> it does happen. It, but it, it is rare, but it, it does happen. When I find something interesting or something that it's worth listening to, I'll, I'll stop and listen. But uh, and it was a very good conversation, very light. Well, I don't want to say it was lighthearted because it was pretty hard, heavy hearted because what's his name had cancer, the, the lead, uh, the lead singer for Rush. But yeah, um, listening to the whole thing was just insane. An insane conversation. And it's a very personal conversation. It's just nice that they sat there and let me listen. Uh, guys, y'all can go. Let me see. What do we have? We have uh, three Facebook pages, two YouTube pages, Twitch, Roku, and Twitter open. So you can pop in on any one of those you want and listen on any one. Or you can chat that way. Uh, it's easy if you want to chat. I mean, you can, you can send me through my messenger. I don't mind. But why don't one of y'all, and I said this the other night, didn't it work better on, on Friday night when y'all opened one room and everybody just piled into one? Yes, because what happens is, like Clara pop, so I have a, a balloon pop here and then a balloon pop here and a balloon pop. Next thing I know, half my screen is, is messenger boxes. That's irritating. I'd either rather y'all use the eight chat rooms we already have or the seven chat rooms we already have or just make one. You know what I might start doing? I might, for every show, I might just start opening a messenger. I'll just put like the author's quill, the news on the flip side, a UFO on the cover, or science and beyond. 
Uh, oh, speaking of that, we might not have science and be on. Somebody offered to buy it from me today. Uh, so it's in negotiations. Every now and then we sell a show or we sell a web page or we sell. You know what amazes me is I've sold 11 Facebook pages. Who I mean, who the hell you would have never thought anybody wanted to buy Facebook pages? No, sure. Dean, Dean must have got stuck or something. I seen him pop in for a minute, but then he popped back out. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's so we'll, so we'll, 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 we'll wait for him to come back. Uh, I have an interview I just did. This, this, this week's podcast that's posted on Rise the Future is um, a guy named Alex Schwartzman. He's, English was his third language. He's from, uh, he was. Uh, hey, Dean, did you get the link? He's talking to Dean, guys. Yeah, the guest. Whoever oh. wrote that was a dumbass. Okay, so he's he said he can see us, but he can't. Uh, Joe, he says he can see us, but he's not able to get in. He thought. Oh, was, uh, yeah. No, tell him, tell him, pop in, and I'll drag him in manually. So just pop in, and he'll drag you in. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just drag him up to. Up oh, there he is. All right. Add okay, the oh, good. Oh, now we got you. We got you now, Dean. Okay. Okay, bye. All right, there he is. Oh, there's a good looking fella, hey. man. Damn. He's he's a, he's a, probably not. It, it, it's 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 Dean, Tom, and myself. We need three best you guys. Me? Right? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, we hear you now. Can you, can you hear us? Can't hear me yet, huh? No, we I can, can hear, hear you. you. Uh, he can't hear us. Uh, we can hear you. You just can't hear us. I wonder what he's got off. Something's off. Can't figure out how to turn in the sound. It ain't this. <laughs> oh, can I text him? Where is private? Okay, chat can at? you? You you hear me? Just give me a thumbs up if you hear me, Dean. You're in the show. We can. What's that? Uh, go to your settings. Right there. Over here. Right here. Uh, I see the side of Chris. Audio. The boss, the tech, the tech, the tech's in. Um, actually, Dean's great. I mean, when we get him on, we'll talk about it. Uh, Oh no, he's he, no, he's the only other person there with Supposed long hair. Shows me. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, we see him. You might you might call him and tell him that we can hear yeah. him. He just he he just can't hear us. There's something wrong with his uh his his hearing coming in because I hear him just fine. Christopher, yeah, no, he is yeah, all over the place. Oh. No, we hear you fine. Okay, you can hear me. I can't yeah. hear you guys at all. Hmm. Okay, so if you go to the bottom of settings, yep, here, click on that, and you have the, and then it goes the audio. Yep, did that. And then, hi, Chris. How long is this interview supposed to last? An hour. It's an hour. Okay. Okay, so I'm there. Then you should have your your microphone. In yep, your got it. So your speaker should be your default to your probably to your computer unless you have headphones. No, I don't have headphones. Stereo. Um, hang on, I will I will put headphones on. It says internal speakers. Does it say internal speaker? Yeah, it does. Um, then make sure your 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 volume is up then on your on your laptop. There it is. There it is. Ah, that's it. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, the world of technology is always so much fun. Hey, man, how you been, Dean? Good. Yeah. It was a whole different world there. 
Doing yeah. good. Yeah, they've, they've got these technologies now instead of having to get all crazy with the phone lines and uh, all, like we used to have the old days with the hybrid boxes and all kind of squeechy, noisy shit. <laughs> Today it's nice and clean and, and works much better. Yeah, uh, sorry I was late there. I, I had I had my schedule here at 3 to 5, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the, the the show goes two hours, so you can stay as long as you want, half hour, an Once hour. Only for an hour, you said. So. Uh, oh well. Okay. Uh, Whatever you need. I'm only yeah. an hour. You're two hours. Okay, I he's, understand. He's, he's 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 got he's got a boss that keeps a tight leash on him. We're not going to mention no names, Emily. Uh, <laughs> 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 We're not mentioning no names, Emily. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, that's oh, no, we're we're actually talking about John's wife, Emily. She's a she's a sweetheart. Yes. No, she really is. I wouldn't make her mad, but she's a sweetheart. She really is. Uh, hey, well, you know, anyway, we're not going there tonight. Y'all go bug John some other time. Come down to California yes. and bug you. So we, we, this we, is our time with Dean now. So hello, yeah. Dean. Hey, how are you guys doing? Give, me, give, him a, give him a proper intro, John, since you're here. Okay, so we spent the first five minutes talking about all the, the amazing feats and wonders of Dean Wesley Smith, but he was originally... Uh, Pro golfer, you had uh, Arnold Palmer, then you had Dean Wesley Smith just below him. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. But oh, uh, shit. then he—I was a trunk slammer. That's yeah. what they called us back in those days. You know, you'd you'd go try to qualify for the tournament, and then throw your clubs in the trunk, slam, and head for the next tournament. Mm. I was a trunk slammer. Never, never did much out there except. Tried. I was out there for quite a bit, but hey, look, when I shot a par seventy, I was just happy. At a Palm Springs club too. You're the resident pro there for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you definitely had that. But Ethan, my my acquaintance with Dean started shortly after. I wasn't there in volume one, but he was uh, the first person on the stage at Ryerson Future to be presented uh, his certificate from at that point. And you had some great story about that and the article that you wrote that's going to be published in volume forty, but his the people I mean, was like, that's one of the things really cool about Rise of the Future is the ability for the winners to meet the, the literally the who's who of science fiction and fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty um, um, startling to be honest with you uh, to see all those. Am I echoing wrong or something? Um, it's startling to see all those big names. Um, that was. Uh, that was the the real throw, and then there was a party afterwards after the ceremony, and we were all in one big suite type of thing, and actually got to talk to a lot of them. Um, Jack Williamson is the one that I remember the most. Um, he was fantastic. He ended up becoming one of my mentors, and um, and a real good friend. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, tremendously. Yeah. Anyway, so Dean's. Gone on to write about 13 jillion words. <laughs> yeah, from what I was reading, at least that many. Lord have mercy. So, yep. so, so, what are you pushing? I know it said it says on your website it says 200 novels in 40 years. So that's at least five a year, right? I mean, are you? I mean, I'm just rounding off is what I'm doing. But the the, the first the first years were pretty much nothing. Um, oh, so it's know, more it's, than five a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, my biggest year in traditional publishing, working with the uh, big publishers when there were a lot of big publishers back in the old days of traditional publishing. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, published 13 novels with them, all of them, you know, the 90 to 120,000 word novels. 
in one year. Um, of course, that was under a bunch of names because, you know, most publishers only want one or two novels from a writer in a year. Right. Um, that They try to really slow you down. And um, so that was the kind of thing that uh, that I did. Um, was always doing lots of, of work on um, pen names. Um, I ghosted a bunch of books for big name writers um, that were, <laughs> for, to say the least, were, um, you know, when they couldn't get a book in, the publishers would come to me and hire me to write the book for the big name writer. Um, and so, you know, I did, I did everything back in those days. And then when indie publishing came along, I switched over and Chris and I own our own company now with a bunch of employees up in Oregon and, and we're publishing books like crazy. That's the way to do it. That's, yeah. that's a hell, that's the way to do it. If you can well, do I did, in my, in my 70th year, I had some fun. I decided, well, I'm going to, you know, Asimov's, when he counted all of his books, he counted anything that he wrote and that he, you know, edited or that was a collection. Those are how he got to his, you know, book count of five to 600 books. And a lot of the books that he counted were Marty Greenberg. I don't know if you guys remember Marty Greenberg, but he was techno books and Marty Greenberg would put a anthology together and then Asimov was do the introduction and Asimov would count that book. And so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I said, no, I'm, if I, if I do major work on the book, meaning if I edit it like an issue of Pulp House or an anthology, I count it with my name as big on the cover as the editor, um, or if I wrote it, or if it's one of my own collections, that's what I count as a major book. And in my 70th year, I decided, well, I'm going to do 70. I, and so I published 70 major books in my 70th year. Damn. And so just, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I damaged my employees a little bit. <laughs> I bet. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Now I'm, now I'm starting to talk about 75 for my 75th oh, shit. year. Oh man. Wow. You know, and so, but that's major books, either novels or collections or something I edited. Like I have my own magazine. Can I show you my own magazine? Yeah. Yeah. yeah bring it out to you. you can show anything you want. Yeah. I've got, uh, um, well, like here's an issue number this is 65 and um where do i put it there yeah this is number 65 it's it's you know seventy thousand words a month of my fiction it's so what, been, what's what's what for some reason that cover looks really familiar to me what's in there it's, it's a piece of art i put on a thing called weird crime collection it was one of my collections, and I thought, well, I'll just feature it. I guess I've seen it somewhere before. That's yeah, it probably has. Like, here's one for a, a Poker Boy collection. Yeah. I, was, yeah, I was reading about your Poker Boy just a little while ago. Yeah. Well, he's got that short story. He, he did a, one of his stories in Rise of Feature a few years ago with your um, – I thought you had – oh, no, that, it was not the Poker Boy. It was the other, it was the other guy, the, uh, in, the investigator, the inspector. Yeah. That yeah. was with one of my series is um, Tate, um, and uh, and that was a fun story. Yeah, it was the Bob Eagleton cover. Yeah. So so not not to get too personal here, but how old were you when you really really started writing? I mean, when you sat in and said, "Okay, well, I sold I sold my first short story fifty years ago this year." <clears throat> first two. Oh, so shows. you were a baby. Okay. No, I was twenty. 
I had already been a professional golfer and I'd already been a professional skier and I was back in college and, um, um, some English class that I, I was an architecture major and some English class that I had to take forced me to mail <laughs> a poem out. Actually it was three poems to a, a contest. And, um, I, I, I would take classes that, if they had multiple choice, I would never take an essay class. I hated to write. And I was 23, 24, 24 at that time. I hated to write. Um, and um, would never do essays, would never do anything like that. And couldn't type, couldn't spell, <laughs> couldn't do anything. Um, just horrid. And um, um, they forced me to mail these three poems to this contest. And it turns out that I have a very commercial mindset. Um, and so these poems that I sent out, one of them ended up winning this national contest, which they had never had anybody even place in it before from that university. And, uh, and so I ended up winning the whole contest as an architecture major. <laughs> they must have been going, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. And that just, that did not set well with the English department, oh, as you can you imagine. Um, and so I started, I, I thought, well, that's kind of fun. And I made a little money. And so I started sending out more poems and more stuff. And then one day I thought, well, I just, you know, what the heck, I'll write a short story here. And so I wrote a short story, sent it off, sold it because I followed Heinlein's rules, but I didn't know they were Heinlein's rules at that point. <laughs> I just wrote it, finished it, mailed it, you know, and didn't rewrite it. And, um, um, and I sold it to a major science fiction magazine at the time. And then I thought, well, that's kind of fun. I wrote another one, same method and just typing. There was a lot of whiteout on those pages because it was on a typewriter Yeah. and sold it. And then I decided, well, I better start learning how to write. <laughs> and that was a six year mistake right there. <laughs> um, that took six years out of my oh, life. Shit. I started rewriting everything you know, writing slower because that's what they said you had to do. You have to rewrite everything, which the first two stories I'd sold didn't dawn on me. I'd never rewritten them. And so I didn't sell anything for six years after that. And it wasn't until I ran across Heinlein's rules, which are write, finish what you write, don't rewrite, put it on the market and leave it on the market. Five simple rules. And, uh, and once I caught Heinlein's rules and then read, Brad, read Ray Bradbury's book, who never rewrote, and did other things like that. I'm like, what am I doing? Listening to English teachers when I should be listening to the pros. Yep. And uh, Hubbard never rewrote. Yep. And that, that makes sense to me because well, no, Hubbard just, never rewrote anything. The, yeah. the first story is probably going to be the good story. I mean, yeah. well, why screw it? Well, you've got yeah. a great story on that. You've written an analogy on that on on uh, on rocks on on gems. You've got that great story on that, Dean. On the what? On the about gems. You know, when you when you go start polishing them. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, if you if you if you polish a story, um, rewriting it and all that, it becomes just like everybody else's. And I didn't realize that that's a bad thing until I started editing. Uh, numbers of years later, I mean, I'd already found Heinlein's rules. I've been selling a lot, and then Chris and I started Pulp House Publishing. And what occurred was I started paying attention to the um, the stories that were coming in, and I could tell almost instantly if it had been rewritten like I had been doing for those six years, if it had been rewritten to death. And um, boy, you, you, you don't want to do that because it makes your story same and dull. 
and boring because you're writing it from the front of your brain versus the really smart part, the back of your brain. And uh, so it, well, that's it been the hardest great. part for me is rereading. I, got, I, I just said F it. <laughs> I did. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm so damn. Well, when you write as much as I do, you don't want to spend time. I yeah. never look at my stories. I finish it when it's done. I never, I never look at it again. Never, never look at my novels. Well, it actually makes sense it. to me because I noticed. Um, so when the second year I was at Writers of the Future, I wrote, I think it was 12 or 13,000 words while I was there. And when I got home and I actually read it, I was like, this is pretty good. So the second year I tried doing it, well, I kept stopping myself, mainly because my, my spelling isn't what it was when I was young. So I just kept stopping myself. And I'm like, Joe, just leave it. Just write the damn thing. <laughs> and you're actually the one that told me that. I asked you that downstairs at the bar. And you said, no, just write the thing. <laughs> and then, and it was right. And after I did that, it was fine. So now since then, I've got, I've got, I got 67,800 words. And this is day four and a half. This is an 11 day story. So I have no idea what this is going to turn out to. And I don't even know if it's going to be any good, but hey, I'm learning no, a lot. No, of don't, don't, don't judge your own work. I am, oh, no, I'm not going to. No writer, no writer is the best judge of their own work. We yeah. all think our work sucks, could be improved, um, all that sort of stuff. We, we, we all believe that. And, and so the, the reality is, is, is that um, if we start judging our own work, that's when this front part of the brain, the really stupid part of the brain comes in, you know, because the creative voice is the smart part, the stupid parts up front. And once that comes in, then you start polishing it down and you take out all the good stuff. What you think is boring is probably your author voice. You know, you can't see your own author voice. And so therefore you think, oh, that's kind of boring. I'll take that out. And what you've just done is taken out what makes the story unique to you. It's uh, it's but, it's difficult at best. It wouldn't have been for y'all's group. I don't think I would have ever started writing anything. And people have been asking me now for two decades to put out a book on some of the stuff, the work that I do. And I'm like, no, I, I just can't write. Even though I have the outline of three whole books sitting there, but finally hanging out with y'all, there was just little things I just didn't understand until I listened, sitting in the classes with y'all. Like listen, like the first year I was there listening to you and um, oh, what's his name? Uh, and um, McCaffrey's tone. What's his? Why can't I remember Todd. his person? Todd. Todd. And you think I'd remember as many times as I've talked to him. And I was listening to y'all. And then later on, I was listening to Tim. And you know, my problem's always been the filler stuff. I didn't. I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't know how do you, how do you go from point A to point B to point C to point D where all the good information is. I, I just just didn't have no clue. I was lost. You know, I, like when you when a book opens up, walking down the street in the pretty sunshine, blah blah blah. That was just, I just couldn't do that. It just was not in my brain. And then after listening to y'all, I realized, oh, shit, I'm going about it entirely the wrong way. That's why I can't do it. Uh, y'all, like, it's, it's a it shame. Is, see, the thing, Joe, is it is in your brain. That's the key, is you've been a reader your whole life. Yes. And been taking story in and everything else. So it's back here in the back of your brain. It's in your subconscious. You just got to trust it to let it come out. Oh, it, know, it knows what it's doing. The front part of your brain may be in doubt and in question, and oh, I don't, rem I don't know how to do that from the front part, but the back part knows how. No, and, I, I agree. and if you I, trust I, the back part, for some reason, I'm, I just have a trouble trusting. I, I should because I do live radio all the time and live TV, so I have oh, to yeah. trust what I'm saying. So you'd think it would be easier for me. I guess. I guess. My confidence level though, gets a little bit better yeah. each, each time, so maybe that's, that's all that's of us. Part of it too is like well, at the beginning, you had to build your voice at the start of, of your writing, Dean. You had to like 
do that once you got your voice. And that's where some of the authors you're referring to some of them. And then also there's, you know, others um, who said that, you know, half a million to a million words to de develop your own voice and not just emulate or mimic. Right. But um, once you have that, then there's the, like you said, the, the, the schools, uh, the, the uh, writing schools, writing class, university and high school where you need to polish and polish. I know Hubbard has this one story when he taught it a class. He was a guest speaker at, I think it was Harvard at the creative writing class and they're writing their short story for the semester. And he was, <laughs> and so he was going in there and saying, you know, you need to, he's giving these numbers, but he said, you got to throw away your first half million words. And they were just like <gasps> in shock what he was saying, you know, about, about writing and the amount of work that, you know, how much he was able, cause he was writing a hundred thousand words a month. And, but he was writing three, three hours a day, three days, five hours a day, three days a week. So it was like, you just you just wrote, but he built up his voice on that, and <clears throat> you are you, you're not unique, but you're more vocal about just writing a, a story and just submitting it. Whereas so many people get, have bought into that. No, you've got to revise and revise and revise and revise, and then they take a year, two years to write a story. And even in Hubbard's last interview, he says, "I don't think, think people take that long. I think they just they write the story, then they just you know, then they." keep on messing around with it but if you, your story itself can be written fast yeah there's there's a reason for that in modern publishing um and and why i mean lawrence block calls his profession exactly right he says it's telling lies for fun and profit that's right. what we, that's lawrence block saying and it's the name of one of his writing books actually too um and the reality is is that when you have a reader that wants to pick up a $30 hardback of your of your novel. The reader subconsciously has gone through everything that the writer's gone through in their life. They've gone through English classes, they've gone through everything else to become literate to want to read that book. And they have the same belief system that a book must be struggled over, it must be rewritten a hundred times before it can be any good, even though that would kill the book, um, that sort of stuff. So the top writers um, the Kuntzes, the Kings, the Noras, all of them, they keep their mouth shut about their actual writing process. They never talk about it. Um, and one of the things that happens is that when they go out, they go out to um, signings and lectures and stuff, and the audience is their fans, the people who are going to spend $30 each to buy their new books or their new books over the next, you know, and they, and so they have to tell that audience what the audience wants to hear, that they really struggled over that book. They really rewrote it a lot. That's why, you know, and, and Hemingway was the worst example of this. He, he basically was a, uh, an article writer, a magazine writer. Mm -hmm. In reality, he banged out first draft magazine articles on a typewriter, literally to deadline. That's how he wrote. That's how he wrote Old Man in the Sea, which won the Pulitzer and everything else. But he got so tired of the questions and all the stuff of the belief systems that he started telling people, oh, I rewrite 30 and 40 times. No. Yeah. Every, <laughs> never, every time he hit a fifth. He yeah. never did anything like that. And then he, for one day, at one point, you know, the, just because he got tired of questions, some young person's you know, ask him, well, how do you write? What's your, and he says, I write standing up. And of course, 
he, you go to anywhere like his, you know, the, the remnants of there, there's a, a typewriter and a chair. He didn't yeah. write standing up, but he was just screwing with people. Well, the big name writers of today don't screw with people, but they do lie. They do exaggerate. They figure that their own writing process is their business and they will tell the readers what they need to hear so that the readers will feel confident spending $30. And that's where this, this why this myth is impossible to break. And mm -hmm. people like me who don't care, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I am teaching writers. Um, we have a lot of classes at, at WMG. We, we do a lot of classes at, and, and basically we tell writers the truth of how it's really done. Now, whether they want to accept the truth or whether they want to believe the myth, that's up to them. But, um, you know, the, we, we tell them the truth um, about writing. And, and so Chris and I have been believers of, well, you know, we're, we've been around 50 years now. I, you know, sold my first short story 50 years ago. What can anybody do to me? Um, you either buy my books because you like them or you don't like them. Yeah. And, and you probably read hundreds of my, or maybe 50 of my books and don't even know you've read them. Well, yeah. Going through all your penning, I guess it's, that's, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I, you do seem to have a, a, a just, just all over the place. So while we're on that, I mean, mm -hmm. what, what, so what are your favorite genres? I mean, is it just something particular you have to write in or do you, it's whatever comes into your brain or are you just looking for I'm, things I'm, that just, Hey, I'm going to write about this. I'm a lot like Hubbard. I write what I want to write right, at the moment. Right. I want to write it. Well, and that's the way to be. And it just, again, I, I, I don't have any restrictions. Um, you know, I, I can write and publish what I want to write and publish. And it's, it's an enormous freedom. Um, Hubbard got to a level in back in the pulp era where he was exactly that same way. He could write what he wants to write. He got hired by magazines to write stories for them. But by and large, um, you know, write what I want to write. I started off in science fiction and fantasy and horror. Actually, I was a horror writer to start with, frighteningly enough. Um, no pun intended. There was basically a, um, um, I just started off writing horror, horrific. My first two short stories were horror stories. And I, I, my first novel was public. It has fantasy in it, science fiction in it. And it was published as a science fiction novel, and it was on the final ballot of the Stoker Award for the best novel of the year. That's pretty cool. Get, I'm, you know, I just kind of go down these cracks between all the genres and all that. Well, that, that's where you got to feel comfortable because sometimes I feel like people pigeonhole themselves. Oh, yeah. They say, oh, I can only write here, I can only write here. And I'm like, well, no, you, if you're a good author, you could probably write anywhere. I mean, if you've got the talent, you've got the talent. I just, because, you know, I've interviewed now probably not, not even including the writer of the futures authors, probably well over 200 authors. And if you include them, probably over 250. And, uh, and I always ask that question and almost with the exception of you and maybe three other people, I always get an answer like, Oh, I like to write that. Oh, I like to write crime novels. Oh, mm -hmm. I like to write science fiction. And, and they just seem to stay there. And I'm always thinking to myself, you know, cause I don't want to be rude, but I'm always thinking to myself, if you can write really good science fiction, why can't you write something else? Maybe like a world war two novel. I mean, you just remove the aliens and put the humans there. Because I know that's what Gene Roddenberry did because he used to write, uh, what, Westerns before he wrote Star Trek. 
And so, I mean, basically that's all he did is take the Cowboys out and put the, I mean, take the Indians out and put the aliens there. I mean, it's still, the stories were basically the same thing. Let me teach you a little lesson in every story. Um, Cause I went back and watched a bunch of his Westerns just to see if I was right. And it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> if you, if you, if you watch about 30 or 40, you would kind of get the sense of, wow, this, somehow another, this kind of feels like Star Trek. Well, Maybe you'll have to go look for yourself. Now though too, like Dean can, Dean is segueing over from an earlier era where in bookstores they want that you have you get you do get pegged in a bookstore right. to that pigeonhole because like you can see that. they can't spread you all over. So the author you're going to be in science fiction, and that's the problem I used to run into with Hubbard because we had his nonfiction uh, self help with Dynex. We had the nonfiction. Um, um, self-improvement, like with Clear Body, Clear Mind, and, and, and nonfiction religion with Scientology. But then we also had Battlefield Earth. We had Fear, which is horror. We had uh, his adventure story. So we had all these different things. And so they go like, which is what you had in all of his Westerns. Exactly. So with Amazon and with, so, with the internet now, you don't search like that anymore. Now you search author. And so now Dean, you'll yeah. find him, you know, if you have enough bandwidth to be able to download all of his books. You know, look at them all. <laughs> Dean, so he ain't giving you them books for free, no shit. You got paid for them damn things. No, one, one of the one of the ideas about that too is you got to be really careful as to what your cover looks like. Make sure yeah. your, your readers are going, oh, that's a science fiction. Oh, that's a romance. Got it. Okay, and that sort of stuff. And then and then also in your sales copy, yeah, your metadata has got to make it clear. It got to be very clear. Yeah, because I, I bought several books they because of cover. Use the same name. Yeah. And by the way, people, just because it got a good cover doesn't mean it's a good book. I found that oh, out no. the hard way. <laughs> I, I have unfortunately found that out. Or the, the other way around. You know, yeah, or the other way around. That's true. I, I've actually bought some crappy covers and turned out to be some really good books. I, I, don't, I don't know what it's to tell you. Have, it's better to have both. Yes. Yeah. Well, back in the day, in the traditional day, we had no control. Authors had no control over their covers. Right. It was whatever the publisher put on them. And boy, I'll tell you, I have some ugly covers. <laughs> <laughs> over the days and then i had some covers that i thought oh that's really good and it didn't sell very well yeah you, uh, you never know, know that's weird you know when, you, when you've sold i mean i've sold upwards of 30 million copies of my books are in print in different forms now and that's the last count you know i'm sort of count every two or three years kevin does that too kevin j anderson does yeah, that yeah, too he, yeah. he kind of counts along um you know as to what it's doing but um, back in the day back in traditional publishing which i'm very glad is basically almost dead um now it's down to what three or four publishers and, yeah. and you don't want to go there because you lose all your rights as an author um they treat you, you you money. don't get much money yeah uh, you can't make a living in traditional publishing anymore like i did what, what is it like a, a quarter cent a word now or something oh it's, <laughs> it's you know like i used to get for a star trek novel i wrote you know like 35 star trek novels um i used to get upwards of 20 to thirty thousand dollars a book to write a star trek novel the authors now are getting four, um, four thousand dollars for a full book, you know, and and they're taking it um, yeah. because they get to write in Star Trek and they get to have fun. But uh, I'd never. <laughs> you can't make a living. On no, that. because once you set that, that's where it's going to go. You. Yeah, you can't. It's it's come down from my day. The the um, like for example, my wife Christine Catherine Rush, um, she has uh, a back the, back then they were really as John said they really pigeonholed you. And so she has an incredible series, but it's under the Chris Nelscott name. 
and it was Edgar nominated, won lots of awards, numbers and numbers and numbers of novels, but it's it's under Chris Nelscott. And, and so she's kept that name coming into indie publishing because it's a valuable name. It's got lots of, you know, track record and everything else. She also wrote romances, but she did that under Christine Grayson. And so she has these incredible, I think there's 12, 15 novels now that are Christine Grayson fun fantasy romance novels. And, you know, and so she's kept that name too um, into indie where I took all of my sort of sideways names and stuff and just lumped them back into Dean Wesley Smith, republished the books under Dean Wesley Smith, the ones that I owned and um, went from there. So I only have one name, but Chris is still writing under three or four names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but if it's made of money, it's a good thing. Um, Helen from Derbyshire English just wrote in. She wanted to know what the hell is indie publishing. Now, we all know what it is, but I, I, I'm kind of surprised that she – I said, are you a big book reader? Because if you – I would think you would know. But anyway, I'll let Dean explain it to you because you can explain it much better than I did. Indie, indie publishing is, is what's occurred. Um, let me back up and give you two seconds of history. Um, every 50 years, publishing changes. The distribution of how publishing is delivered to the public, stories are delivered, changes. Started back after the Civil War in the United States, we, we had penny dreadfuls and all of that. And 50 years later, it changed into the pulps. And for 50 years, the pulp magazines delivered most of the commercial fiction. And then that changed in the 1950s and so in 60, early 60s into the paperback, the mass market paperback. You can't find a mass market paperback anymore, but, you know, it changed into the mass market paperback. And for 50 years, that was what's called what we now call traditional publishing, the big corporations. There were a thousand of those publishers. It's now down to four that's left. And about 15 years ago, the transition started from mass market delivery system to electronic delivery system. And so we went from penny dreadfuls to the pulps, to mass market, and now to electronic. And we're in a brand new era of electronic. Well, what happened in the electronic era is it allows authors to be their own publishers, to be independent publishers. And what's grown up around this independent publisher where the authors are publishing their own work is that um, there's massive, massive um, support systems that now do this. We can deliver our books through BookFunnel. Um, we can you know, get them instantaneously. We have Shopify stores. We do all of our own everything, um, including our own covers. We're now in control of our covers good or bad, good, yeah. that may be. We're in control of our own um, sales copy, good or bad, because most writers can't write sales copy. Um, and so, but it's, it's, we're in control of everything. If we make a mistake, it's our mistake. It's not a publisher's mistake. And so that's what we mean by indie. Indie is short for independent publishing. And it is the new world. It will be the dominant structure for the next 50 years in publishing. I have no idea what's coming after that. What's coming next? Uh, AI <laughs> publishing, that's what's coming next. I, I won't be around, I can tell you that. So, Claire, did that answer your question about self-publishing? Because it's basically the same thing. It did it? Okay. Um, I had like four people put up to, should I self-publish? Should I self-publish? Should I self-publish? Yes. It's called indie publishing now. It's yeah. not self-publishing. Yeah. See, there you go. That's not, yeah, not, publish the away, people. Oh, no. When I, when I finish, I'm sending it to John. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Dean. For the traditional years, those 50 years where it was mass market, 
there was a subset down there called Vanity Press, and they were always awful, and it was looked down on. And that's where that, that worry comes from, is the traditional publishers controlled everything, and then there was the few people who bought a whole bunch of books and put them in their garage and couldn't sell them. We don't do that now. We don't buy books ahead of time. We, we print on demand. If I sell a, if I sell a, a, a hardback, it is a person buys one of my hardbacks, it's printed and sent to them directly. Yeah, I, like, I never, love that. I never touch it. Nobody. I, ever I think that's it. so great. You just and it just goes to wherever it's going. To. Well, it's also it's the. Um, we also have um, now merchandise. You know, you can have a mug with your book cover on it, or your logo, or your brand. Um, you can do shirts and T-shirts and everything else. You can do, you know, mouse pads, there all that, and it's all print on demand. Um, it's all completely done. We never touch it. In fact, yeah, I forgot who we use for that. I think it's Cafe Press we use for that. And uh, we can put anything on any, it doesn't matter what it is. It's, as long as we have rights to it, we can put anything on anything. Right. Matter of fact, for four years, the number one seller was a thong with a with an alien face on it. I'm not kidding you. We, we must have sold three, four hundred thousand. It's really good. Really good. <laughs> you just got to wonder. I mean, but. When when uh, my manager called me and told me about it, I was like, what? She said, no, really. I thought she was pulling my leg. I really did. Oh, no. And she now said, it's oh. all turned on demand. Now, yeah, it's all, it's all. now you, don't have to, you don't have to warehouse anything. Warehousing is a thing of traditional publishing. It's gone. Yes. Nobody warehouses anything. No reason uh, to. My, my books get put into warehouses every so often. If I have a book that's selling well, like one of my cold poker gang mysteries or something, um, it will – Amazon will, will buy a whole bunch of copies – have them printed and put them in their warehouses. Yeah. But I don't pay for that. And it's their that's headache. Yeah. That's, wanting to ship it to customers quicker. So this is so much of a better way to do things now. Oh, so much better. It's, it's easier. And plus a lot of these people, you know, have distributed all over the country. So published, bam, it's there, well, published, bam, it's there, published, bam, it's there. Uh, and I mean, everything now either goes UPS, FedEx or, even even special mail and the regular mail it gets to you within two days or so. So, one other major change is that back in the day, back in the traditional day, because remember I had a hundred and some novels in traditional publishing, and then the next hundred some now have been in the independent world. Um, the uh, back in the day we only sold North American rights, so nobody in Great Britain or Australia or anything else could get my books unless I sold it to a publisher over there. Now we sell worldwide. Yep. We sell completely worldwide. We are, our market is every English speaking. And then if we put it in other languages, it's the other language market. So we are worldwide uh, versus just a specific area of the world. The internet is such a great thing. That's a huge change. Yes. Uh, The the way the world is connected up to, I was just telling John before, right, right. As we started show this, this particular show goes out to 80 countries now. And uh, it's just such a nice thing. I mean, and it's it's really effortless for us. It's just, you know, we're available and people tune in. And if they hear about us, they can tune in for anybody. can tune in from anybody in the world if they want. But it's and it's always a good selling market. I don't know. I just I just I just like the fact that we're, we're connected around the world and you can send anything because every now and then I get on a kick that I want to sell something. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a nice thing. What's that, Clara? Uh, wait, what? I don't know. We didn't know. We asked. Never, we've never asked Dean how many books he has. He'd never told us. We were, we've been talking about it tonight, but he's never said, I got like 300 or 500 or a thousand. Why you want to know? 
Oh, y'all taking bets on how many books he's got? Well, wait, I want a piece of the action now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're going to be betting about this, I want a piece of the action here. I'm the damn host. Wait, what? So I, anyway, go, go ahead. You want to know how many books I have approximately? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm up around 800. Whew, 800. Lord have mercy. How in the... I don't even know how to bleep you even do. And that's that. under Asimov's way of dealing with books. Right. You know, I have to have my name on it. I have to have a major part in it. I either edited it or I wrote it. So are, are, are we typing? Are we typing a computer, typing a typewriter, or are we just writing? Because every then I meet an author that likes to still write by hand, which still re- weirds me out a little bit. No. Right? Well, I can't put that hand up. That shoulder right there. See that computer that's on the sideways right there? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, that's my writing computer. Oh, it go. has no internet on it. It has no nothing on it. It has a word program on it, and that's it. And that chair behind me, going that way, is my writing chair. And um, when I sit in that chair, all I do is write fiction. On this computer here that I'm on, I write nonfiction and do all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's very, very, very sequestered my my writing is when i sit down in that chair back there and pull up to that computer that way um i basically you know i'm just writing i don't do anything else and there's like a switch in my head that turns on if writers out there if you do not have your own dedicated writing computer get one they're cheap writer computers are cheap these days get a writing computer put nothing on it keep the games off of it, keep the internet off of it, keep everything. I use little thumb drives. When I finish a story, I get a thumb drive and bring it up to this computer here and load it into the cloud. Um, but otherwise... Well, God, he, see, he's doing it the right way. If you're... See, like the computer I'm on right now, I only use for broadcasting. Um, the, the other computers on the side of me are used for a lot of different things, but it's easy to get distracted if, if you have the internet little bubbles popping up on your screen or something or you got a little game that's trying to tease you come yeah. play me come play me see that's that's distracting and if you don't have all that shit you're just going to do what you're there for you're just yep. going to sit there and write it no i think that's i think that's absolutely perfect because if you ever come in the studio here you'll notice that computers are segmented off for different things and it's the reason they are so i don't get distracted because you know i'm like a child sometimes with game pop up and it's oh wait what's this and next thing i know i'm 45 minutes down the line i've done wasted looking at some stupid ass game um no guys I, dean told me last time we were talking just this past year i was asking him about something because i was stuck on something and he said just go write the damn thing that's exactly how he said it and it actually worked real well for me. Uh, it's, no, it actually blunt. No, no, that that was but so am I. So that's a good thing. Uh, it actually worked real well for me. And I, whatever was was holding me back there for the first two days just went away, and I got out another I think f- almost fifteen thousand words. So, mm-hmm. well, for me it's different, guys. I, I I can't do like this. So when it when it hits me, when the urge hits me, I just until my fingers stop. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm done, and uh, I can't write at home. I don't know why. It's it's uh, and it's not even it's not even that because my house is very quiet when everybody's when everybody's calm here. I just it's I don't know. It's just not the right setup. It's easy when I'm around y'all because it's it's um, it's just a lot of motivation, especially with all the, the winners and all running around. You know, talking about it. It's 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 just easier for some reason for me. It's um, but still, I have managed to get some writing. Got to get everybody to get into writers of the future. Yeah, exactly. We tell them all the time. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. It's yeah. uh, what is it, Carolyn? No, I, I, now I have told y'all. Okay, writeofthefutures.com. 
Okay. If you want to go, if you want to get in, if you want to submit or you want to join the, the course or any of those things, right? future.com. If you want to buy anything, galaxypress.com. Um, no, nah, it's they're easy to find, and they're e- both the sites are easy to navigate. They're, they're really easy to navigate. They're, they're well put together, so they're easy to navigate. And if uh, you go to risingfuture.com, you'll also, if you look at writer judges, you'll see Dean in there, but you'll see the whole, the history of our writer judges. It's literally, it's, it's been a who's who of, he's talking about, you know, like um, at the beginning, but the guy that wrote uh, Dune, you know, his son's, his son is a judge now, but but he was one of the first judges, mm-hmm. and um Orson Scott Card, who's going to, I'm going to be logging off shortly because I have to set up for that. I'm doing a live two hour QA with Scott Card in just a couple of hours. Set, I'm setting yep. up for that. Eight o'clock, right? Central time. That'll yeah. be, that'll right be different. was a judge. What's that? What, Dean? I said, that'll be different than me. Scott and I are very diametrically opposed. Yes, y'all are definitely different. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a good thing, though. I've man. known Scott since uh, 82 um, when he was one of my instructors at Clarion, and he was a young, young Turk. Yeah, um, back then, and I was just coming in, and um, um, but uh, you know, we 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 have different approaches to writing, so that that'll be interesting for readers. To that, I, that's one thing I've learned talking to all of y'all. Uh, most most of the judges I've met are are we'll just say different in, in the way they look at things, which is what but makes I, us so cool. We don't. Well, have it does. Like, this is how you write, you know, Dean. You're like, you know. Mr. Indy, and then you got Scott, who's definitely the traditional, and you've got uh, Tim Powers that takes a year or more to put together a book, and you do a book a month, and or two or three, or two or, <laughs> two or three, yeah. yeah. Kevin's, you know, Kevin solved his problem of like what you did. We solved the problem of of losing rights, you know, to his to his books and not being able to come out there. He created his own publishing house, like what you did, because the, the big traditional publishers wouldn't do it, you know. And you're running into the thing too of if you put a book out there and it sells a thousand and then the next book sells 900, that's all they're going to take in. They'll keep on, it keeps on reducing down. And no matter what you do, it just keeps on shrinking. One, one of the nice things about independent publishing is that when I sell a, a book in my Shopify store, I get basically 92 or 3% um, of the total income. If yeah. I sell a book, through Amazon or Kobo or D2D or anywhere around the world, I tend to get 70%. That's still bad in a lot if of I, people. If get. I have a percentage of a royalty coming in from uh, traditional publishing, it's between 9 and 12%. Jesus. And so there's a lot of difference between that 9 and 12% and 70% or 95%. Right. Um, and that makes uh, that's why there's a lot of very rich indie writers right now. Um, and there are nobody starting to make a living now, except maybe Colleen Hoover. Um, she's broken in. And um, there was one other that have broken in in the last couple of years. Um, but otherwise, you don't see anybody breaking in. It's 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 uh, it's lottery. You got to win the lottery to win in traditional publishing. You just have to be a hard worker in indie publishing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to be willing to to do this stuff because basically there's, there's the various hats involved in publishing you need to take on yourself, mm-hmm. or to connect up with yourself or Kevin where you have your own publishing houses if you're willing to take on somebody else, and again they're gonna they're gonna have to give up a piece of the of the pie. We have employ we have a, an entire office building of employees at in in Lincoln City, Oregon, and. Um, it's me and Chris and they can barely keep up with us. 
I'm bad. Because y'all write like mad people. He, he takes on several authors, and he also has been a resource mm. for the um, the old authors that no longer have a, a voice or chance to get a voice. You know, so he'll republish some of the the masters. Oh yeah, he'll do it, which is which is a good thing that he does that. Well, and he's teaching at Colorado too. Yeah, you know, that that publishing program, which is um, actually Kevin uh, Kevin J. Anderson, we're talking about here, and his associate uh, professor is Allison Longuera who is our publisher at WMG. So Wordfire Press and WMG are teaching a, a how to be a publisher program at Colorado. And most of it's online, you know, and it's a, a, master's really, program. Good program. Yeah, yeah. It's a really yeah. good program. If you want to become a publisher, um, and I would highly recommend looking up Kevin's website, or you can get a lot of this stuff. If you can come to my website, which is deanwesleysmith.com and, you know, That's ask cool. me questions there. If y'all watching this on TV right now, you can see his website, School and Buy on the Bottom. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. there it is. Yeah, yeah, we put it, we, we always put y'all's websites up so people can find you. Yeah. Uh, hell, no, Steve, what? No, the only way you can do that, Steve, you want to meet him in person? Well, you better hope he's at a book signing, or if you could win writers at a future, then then you could meet him. Yes. Yeah, I was going to go to Superstar this year, but I have a, it's it's right here. Um, I now have a brand new titanium shoulder and part oh, of this arm. Fun. Wow. I was that running a five, getting used to running a 5k and I was running a little too fast. Oh shit. And I hit a lip and went down on rolled rolled into the fall. And you know, instead of hitting my head, I hit my shoulder, rolled into the fall and completely smashed the shoulder. And that was a couple months ago. I had surgery and I'm now in PT. Yeah, so I'll be there at Superstars in a month. And then a few days later is Life, the Universe, and Everything, LTUE. And this is their, this is their big anniversary, number 42, which is, which is the uh, answer to the, to, all, to the ultimate question of the universe is 42. Yeah. So that's their... Oh, <laughs> shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot all about that stupid movie. <laughs> oh, that's good. People, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that too. Um, what, what y'all got? Y'all got a couple questions. What, what was it? Uh, so, Randy, where are you writing in from? Seattle, Washington. Uh, well, what, what? Just write the question after I finish. Right, yeah, I'll, I'll see you typing. What, what is it? So, Rand, Randy says he's he's published a couple of books. He's made a little bit of money. He said like last year he made about forty five thousand dollars selling books. He, he's he's asking. Is there any shortcuts to self-publishing? Is there any ways to get it, get your book known faster? Yeah, if you got a lot of money, it's called advertisement. Go give the TV yeah. station some money. That um, that's yeah. not going to help you any. Yeah, no, you got to you you need to become a better storyteller. So you need to take craft classes on how to become a better storyteller. That's that's the real bottom line. It's being a storyteller so that people read one of your books and say, "Oh, I want more of that author." And think of it this way. If you only have two books, imagine yourself as a, uh, a, a store um, down on the corner of Main Street in your town. And, and you, you, you have a customer walk through the door and you've only got two things in your store. What does the customer do? They go in and they turn around and go back out. Um, you have to fill the shelves in your store. And that means you got to write a lot. It takes time. Um, you know, this is, uh, and, and what's really interesting is 
that so many people say, well, this is an international profession and I'm going to be a good enough writer and I'm going to give it a year. And I'm thinking, you know, it takes seven years to become a little local attorney. I know. Eight or nine years just to become a little local doctor. You know, this is an international profession. It takes time. You've got to learn how to write better stories so that people come to your work and find your work. And then you have to have enough work that you can continue selling it. Which is that philosophy of 20 books to 50K, that conference that you that you helped teach at in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's the basis of that 20 books, 20 major books to $50,000 a year, 20 to 50. They that's the, that's the theory on I that. I just interviewed Judith Anderley uh, yesterday for the podcast. She'll be up next week. Mm -hmm. She and, and uh, Michael. How did that go? <laughs> she's, I mean, she's awesome. She's, yeah. we were able to talk about uh, the legal side of stuff and how to protect your rights and stuff and what to, how to deal with uh, AI and what, what does it actually mean and this type of stuff. So no, it, was, no, it was a good interview. You, you don't even want to talk about the CHAP GTP with professional writers. Because like, for example, I quit counting when I got to 29 of my books that were stolen by Chap GTP. Oh, I have a big argument with this shit going yeah, on. And most, I'm, I could have gone up into the hundreds. And I, it, it's so, I, I hate it when people steal my stuff and try to make money off of my stuff. I like it when people read my stuff. I give a lot of stuff away. That's not a problem. But they didn't come to me and ask my permission, just like they didn't go to Nora Roberts and they didn't go to Grisham. Mm -hmm. That's why all the lawsuits. One big concern, folks, on Chap GTP just... is most of you probably aren't young enough or not old enough to remember Napster. <laughs> I remember Napster. I got Napster. a lot of stuff off of Napster. Napster was, <laughs> oh, a, was a thief. They, they oh, stole it like Chap GPT does. They stole it. And then they, and it was on computers. Well, the only way they could stop Napster was they had to, under copyright infringement, they went right through Napster and to the consumer. Well, ChatGTP and all of their miscellaneous organizations are basically bankrupt at this point in time. They're going to go down quick when it happens and the lawsuits are coming. There's a tsunami of them that are already filed and are just waiting because this is pure copyright theft to train what they did. Now, I have no problem with AI. I think AI is going to be way cool in all kinds of different yeah. areas. Yeah, but not where the authors are complaining is they came and stole our stuff, pure theft, to train it. And so, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. If you'd have come okay. and asked permission, paid us a small fee, we'd uh, all said yes. Guy Dean. <laughs> yeah, we'd all said yes. But they didn't. They just stole it. So what's going to happen with ChatGPT is when the lawsuits hit and the billions of dollars of damages, which ChatGPT cannot pay, they'll go into bankruptcy. They can't the only it. way to stop this is they're going to go through the computers to the people who have ChatGPT on their computers. And they're going to find them with copyright infringement. Now, I know you'll say, oh, that's not fair. Well, get ChatGPT off of your computer. Yeah, well, they'll, if, it, if it's a fair, they'll give you like a 30-day warning like they do with NAPS and say, well, and, uh, No, they'll just come through because it's copyright infringement. You stole my work. Don't steal authors' works. Write yeah. your own. Well, Thanks. it's funny because when you ask it to make you a story, you can tell – well, let me rephrase that. So I was – Jeff Wine and I was playing around with this one day. And a couple since then, uh, several of other authors have been on and we've played with this a few times. The problem is, first off, you can tell – 
when you ask particular story, you can tell it's someone else's work. I mean, you just, you just get the sense, but it's even worse than that because sometimes it'll take three authors and try to meld them together. And it comes out to this, just the only way I can say is a heap of shit. Anything good. No, it doesn't. And, and, and it's just, this is, I have seen it do some good magazines though. So yeah, this is good. one area where AI is failing at the moment. It probably will become a good tool for us down the road, but they got to clean out all this, this infringement. This copyright infringement because we all live on copyright mm-hmm. we all license our copyrights and 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 you can't have some major company just wholeheartedly stealing it and so you know to make money and luckily they're not making money they're they're going yeah. down fast they're really in trouble and so the reality is 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 that don't do that and watch these lawsuits watch these copyright lawsuits as they hit the uh, authors guild with some of the biggest names in the industry behind it have sued them and that's only one of maybe a 500 lawsuits you know i i think i got ten thousand videos off of napster easy probably a hundred thousand songs easy it's uh did they come through for you no they didn't bother me at all it's uh no it's uh well because first of i don't think a lot of stuff i think a lot of the stuff we had was under uh free usage act but and being that i'm in the media it's a little harder to mess with me because i also pay um a couple of different things that I pay for. So I actually can use a lot of people's material without having to worry about it. Nap- Napster was a real interesting um, shot across the bow, which stopped copyright infringement at wholehearted levels. It was a, it was a nightmare is what it was. It seems the people who started Chap GTP. <laughs> well, <laughs> they used to have a guy. Well, the thing that was also said yesterday when I talked to Judith Anderley was that copyright law hasn't changed. It's still the same copyright it's law. It is copyright. still the yeah. same law. Same law. It hasn't changed. Absolutely. Yeah, right. and and AI. I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of AI in general and in other areas. Yeah, there's, there's, we got to get this. Pieces. We got to get this one bad apple out of the equation, and then if then if an AI program like for example um, the Adobe on what they're doing with the artists, they have been going to the artists. Their AI program, they've been going to the artists and getting licenses from the artists and getting permission and paying the artists. And so Adobe is doing it the way it should have been right, done right. from the beginning. Um, and so, you know, Adobe, there's saying, just, just be careful, everybody. Just be careful. Yeah, just, just, because there's going to be a lot of stuff come down with all this before yeah. it's all said yeah. and done. Just be careful. Yeah, because yeah. you don't want to be on the wrong end of that, uh, that yeah. notice of copyright infringement. Yes, Frida, I do remember him. Uh, he used to do the premiere movies and put them out on Napster the same day. Yeah, I love that guy. Whatever it was, he, I mean, it was, I don't know how he did it. He would get into every premiere and he would put it up on that. This guy was great. Oh, yes. You know, I probably still got some of it. No, no, I don't. I got rid of that computer. Never mind. It's, um, it was, it was though theft. That's the only way you could say it. Cause I mean, oh, completely. I, we had so many songs now, and this is what was so funny. So YouTube tells me one day, because I had like 78,000 songs in one of my lists over there. And it goes, you know, you can't download that to your computer. I'm like, I'm not trying to download it because like YouTube can be played anywhere. Why would you want to download and keep all that information? And they're like, because that would be a copyright infringement. I'm like, really? I said, I can download anything off of YouTube. Why can't I download this? Their point is I couldn't do 78,000 at one time. Like anybody was going to do that in the first place. YouTube has gotten a little weird lately. <laughs> I mean, plus they've gotten really touchy about what you can put on there. I know there's a bunch of lawsuits against them now about freedom of speech and stuff like that. So we'll see where all that ends up. 
What is that? What is that? Watch the, watch the copyright lawsuits. That's yes. That's Keep an where, eye on. That's where the world's heading. What do you yeah. mean, Martha? You're talking about AI for art. Uh, first off, before y'all even go any further with the AI, you can't submit anything AI to writers of the future. It's not allowed. That's right. Right. Can't submit. Yeah, it we, had, we had a thing come up uh, a few right. weeks ago where it came up that uh, someone had won the contest, and then they were doing the the illustrator winners then are given the writer winners and then they have to illustrate the winning story. <laughs> and it came up that Echo Chernick, the uh, coordinating judge, had this one illustrator that was illustrating uh, one of the stories and, and challenged them on it. Like, is this AI? And it came up that it was AI they were using. They weren't painting. They were using AI. So the person was disqualified and we got a different, we, we announced a new winner. But um you can act, you can actually t still tell maybe 10 years 15 years from now he's not gonna be able to but right now there's different ways you can actually mm -hmm. tell and there's also apps you can use that can also dig into it and if worse comes to worse all you do is just say okay show me your um earlier um progression files so i can see that you actually were working on this to make the final painting and then technically you did it also for a story too you know, if someone has something before they do the final edit and proofread. Paint but, that uh, oil for me, buddy. <laughs> I'll believe yeah, you there. You know, people will try to game it. and But that's not what the purpose of the contest. Our contest is to be able to find and discover the new voices and, and the new talents. Doing yeah, it through. Jody will never let it through. Jody will never let it through. Yeah, could, Jody could spot. An AI. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. I mean, some of this stuff is is really easy to spot. I mean, some of them might be better than others, but a lot of it's easy to spot. A friend of mine wanted that. He asked for what was it? Uh, a kangaroo fighting a dog, and it gave him a five legged kangaroo and a three eyed dog. I was like, really? Nowhere in there did he ask for any of that. The AI just put it together that way for some reason. Um, yeah. I, you just just you just don't know what they're going to do. Uh, Maurice, no, you, no, we just said that you, there's nothing allowed to writers of the future that's AI. Nothing. And same mm -hmm. with my magazine, Pulp House. I'm not open for submissions, and you know, at all, and never will be. But because uh, I've read slush in the past, I'm not reading slush ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> not done that. But the but the reality is 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 that uh, you know we won't take it. And we we have in our contracts that you warrant that you did not use AI on the story for our writers and for the different stuff. And so it's a uh, it's a uh, just um, right. People use your damn imagination and write. You don't need a damn AI for that. Getting, I, I, okay. I, I did like what the gaming company said, though, recently that they were going to go ahead and try AI out both in both in for writing and for imaging but they wanted to keep their authors and their uh, illustrators to make sure that ai is doing exactly what so their thought is they're going to let the ai's the authors and the illustrators run everything this way it'll just get produced faster but it'll still be the same quality as if the author or the or the yeah. illustrator was doing okay. it yourself yeah we're going to see about this well john and i are going no <laughs> that's what i was listening to it going we're going to see how this works out man <laughs> we'll see how this goes Oh man, sometimes the bullshit you got to listen to is the only way you're gonna get a Larry Elmore is to get a Larry Elmore, yeah. And that's yeah. the truth, isn't exactly. it? I mean, that's yeah. the truth, but you know, that, that's the thing. Like I said, doing oil well, and you know, Larry's got oils, and so does so does Echo. I mean, a lot of the big artists I talk to have oils at home, so you can actually tell they're real artists, <laughs> they're not wannabes. Uh, what do you mean, a wannabe author? I wouldn't know what a wannabe author is. You mean somebody who just writes something and it's worthless? I imagine there's a lot of those in the world. Well, there's 4 million books published in 2023. 
Uh, it came out an article that in 2022, there was 4 million books that were published. A million um, were actually made any type of money at all. And that type of money, the average author, I think, was making $500 a year. You know, so it takes, you know, there's a lot of people, that, a lot of, maybe that's what we're talking about wannabes, but it's, it takes work, like Dean was saying, you know, and like, if you think you're going to like, I'll give it a year, you know, who are you kidding? You know, you're willing for, it's like someone who's, to be a, a, a rock star, you know, okay, I got a guitar, so I'm going to go take a lesson. I'm going to go be a rock star on stage. It's like, no, you know, you, you need to work up. That's like any, any of the profession too, just because you write a book doesn't mean now all of a sudden you got a living. You need to yeah, really that, work. Isn't that the truth? Uh, guys, I got eight minutes to get a question in. So if y'all want to get one in, y'all better get one in. I, I, I keep seeing uh, London, 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 but I don't see any questions. No, you can buy Dean's books anywhere in the world. It, yeah. No, like he said earlier in the show, this isn't the old world. This is the new world. And you could buy, it doesn't matter. You could be in Ukraine right now and get a damn book. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I hate to say you could be in Ukraine right now and get a book. Then go on to Amazon, order a book, it'd probably be there in three days. Mm-hmm. Hell, if Amazon's got it the street, might be. Amazon, or Kobo. Kobo does yeah. good Yeah, Kobo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah uh, we're, we're all over the world. Um, we're in, I think we reach about, 85% of the English speaking um, population of the world. We're still having trouble getting into India. Um, that's a, that's a tough market to yeah, crack. Because they're funny over there. <laughs> but boy, there's some good money there, but we're, we're, we have inroads a little bit here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, you, and you can just go to our, um, actually anywhere to the place to buy Chris and my books and all the other projects we've done is WMG, which is the name of our publishing company, WMGbooks.com. WMGbooks.com, and it's, there's over a thousand titles there and more being added all the time because we haven't caught up yet to where we are. Plus, we're writing new stuff, um, you know, and and plus there's, you know, all kinds of cool stuff like uh, mugs and products and we, pillows. Let's somebody go ahead and buy me a damn mug, people. Damn. Y'all, this audience is tight. Y'all need to come off. I, I need a mug. I need one look I can put right here and drink my coffee while I'm on air. Yes. I want one that says, I want one with Dean's face on it, man. What y'all talking about? Oh, no, about? we don't do that. <laughs> but we have really cool logos. Look, I got, I got your image. I'll go make my own cup and send it to you. You don't want my face on anything. <laughs> uh, 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 Harper, Harper, is that what your name is? Harper, where, where are you calling from? Sydney. Jesus. What time yeah. is it over there? Was it evening? Copyright's right? the same all over the world because so, uh, of the Bern Convention. So you wait, what? Uh, rewrite that. That that was jibber jabber. Uh, Christian, I'll, I'll ask you a question because that whatever the hell that was was jibber jabber. Christian's what? No, Christian's actually from Hawaii. Uh, she says she lives on on the Big Island, and she said, "How do you write so many books a year and still do everything else? And and does your wife mind you?" always writing and not talking to her. I said, how you don't, she don't talk to her. See, that was just rude. Go ahead, Dean. I'll let you answer that. She was, she was just, just over here. I know. I was thinking that just a minute ago. Off camera here. Um, I seen her too. My wife is, my wife is Christine Catherine Rush. And she's written as many books as I have. And, and, and she writes under many other names. And so we are two writers in a two-story condo in downtown Las Vegas. And basically we, that's all we do. We eat and we write. And you run, write. you do five Ks. We do five Ks. Yep. We do a lot of, to try to keep in shape, you know, that's the real key with writing yes. is you've got to stay in physical shape. 
um, and even with accidents, shoulder accidents, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you really um, got to stay in shape. And so we do a lot of walking. We walk to lunches and dinners, and but we live in Vegas too, you know. Yeah, it's a lot to do our, in Vegas. Our bad man. year, our bad months are um, June, July, August, and September because <laughs> it's too hot. Oh, yeah. Same uh, for us. You know, so hot we, shallow, I mean. but there everything's indoors here anyhow. You know, we have indoor tracks, indoor everything, so we stay in good physical shape, and we write. And there's that's a lot beautiful, there's a lot of beautiful country in Vegas. And of course, if you always just want to go get in trouble, Area 51 is only what 90 minutes away. So you can you should you should go down there and write a book at Area 51. I, I, I drive I drive to Writers of the Future. Yeah, well, I see I can see that because I've drove I've stayed in Vegas a few times and drove out to LA. I didn't find it to be that bad of a drive. What was it like four hours or something? Yeah, I, mean, I was just I was just there last month in uh in December for the uh, uh Stetson Country Christmas and uh we didn't quite connect up this year. We did the last year, but um, I was still in. I was still in slings when you were here. Getting oh, okay. I had a sling on my arm and wasn't doing too well getting out. Um, but it gave uh, me an opportunity. I love it when I go out there. I get a chance to. It's the one time of year I get to wear my cowboy hat and cowboy boots. I love it. I love it for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. It so, was quite a. It's a quite a deal. Man. All right, guys, I got one more question. We got like two minutes. I'm, uh, we got to go. We only stayed over a little bit because we only, this was usually we do a two hours on, on Saturday, but it was a kind of crazy Saturday. So we only had it scheduled for an hour. What, what is your question? Where, 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 first off, where are you? Brazil. Well, hello down there in Brazil. Are you like one of the old uh, Mayan Incans or Aztecs? Toltecs, right? That's what, who was down there, the Toltecs. Anyway, what, what's your question? <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, no, that, that's a good. So she just wants to know who is your own personal favorite writer or your, she said your own personal favorite author and your, and your favorite movie is actually what she wrote. Yeah. Favorite author. Yeah. I, I, that's a I have thing. to, I have to be dead honest with you. My favorite author is standing about five feet from me over here. All Christine right. Catherine Rush. And Go, I read, Christine. I'm sorry. I get to read all of her books first and I'm a fan of all of her series. Um, and she has a new Fabe novel that I just read that's sitting on the table over out here in our in our big office complex here. And 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 it stands about how tall is that? About two and a half feet <laughs> manuscript. She's giving me the dirty look. Um, <laughs> um, favorite movie. I uh, It depends on, you know, what time of the See, year. That's mood for me, man. I, I couldn't do a favorite movie. I just yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm much more of a like in the. In the fall, I, I watch Lifetime holiday movies. Mm. Um, other times, I watch thrillers. Um, it's whatever. Yeah, I'm the same way. Along. For about I 20 just, years, my favorite movie was White Christmas. I just loved it. I watched it every year, and it was like, it was so good. It was just. I watched a lot of stupid Christmas movies. Yeah, I watched year. a lot of Christmas movies. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay. Romantic at heart. Yeah. Okay. What's that, Denise? Wait, real quick. Wait, wait, where are you at? Oh, um, not Derbyshire. What is it? What I know what you're saying. Um, anyway, it's where Doctor Who's filmed, or where it used to be filmed. Jay, I, I know what you're talking. Anyway, what's your question? So she, she, you're a dumbass. You know that. I'm gonna ask him. <laughs> you're a dumbass. So she's. I can't. Never mind. I can't. We, we're gonna get out of here. I just. Go ahead. Ask me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stop. Go ahead, Joe. You, you're like so. So first off, she goes, she goes, 
She goes, I know he's married because I see his wife in the background. She must be really good because she takes really good care of him. And, and it's nice to see a woman who actually still loves her husband after X amount of time. I was like, okay. I'm like, what does that got to do with the question? And then she goes, well, which one of y'all is the better writer? I was oh, like, Chris. oh, shit. Chris, far away. <laughs> see, no, there you go. <laughs> that's not even a hard question. That's, that's an automatic. Chris is by far the better writer. Uh, it's, always uh, has been. Always will be. I am um, more commercial and do different weird ass stuff. Chris stays to her, to her heart, to her, um, to what makes her, and that's why she's a better writer. Where I, for a long time, I was, you know, yeah, I'll write anything, you know, kind of, kind of. Kevin Anderson and I were pretty much in the same boat for a long time. If someone offered us a project, we'd say, sure. Okay, but work is work, man. You know that. I mean, as a contact, I can feel that because you got to work when you got to work. Man. I don't do that anymore. I follow because well, no, you're well, you're comfortable now. You don't have yeah, to. I, but. I don't need to. Hey, John, say hello to Scott for me. I definitely will. Absolutely. Yeah, pop it. Uh, any anything else you want to plug before you got anything you plug in or anything you want to let go? Oh, just uh, come to my website and look at. Some, and if you're interested in writing, we have a lot of classes we built over the last 15 years. A lot of classes. Go and, check them out. You know, for writers, they're for writers, and we also do kickstarters about six, eight times a year. Oh, I'm glad you yeah. said that. Uh, somebody early, early in the show asked what a kickstarter was, and I forgot to ask the question. Oh, it's uh, just basically um, um, through Kickstarter.com, and we put up books. Like for example, starting on Tuesday, we have a hundred short stories in five volumes, fifty of Chris's and fifty of mine. And basically, um, it's called uh, um, Hearts Collide, and um, it's it's a um, fifty. You know, we're half of her stories, half of my stories, and we are doing it as a Kickstarter. And you can get you know a hundred short stories by backing that Kickstarter. And also, it has some workshops in it, and it has different things like that. So. Well, oh, I remember people for another see. appointment right now. Yeah, get on out of here, man. Get 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 out of here. I appreciate John, you being over with us. Okay, uh, you got to kick me off because I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, I, 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 I'll talk to you. Know hello, to Chris. hello, Chris. Okay, he's gone. Well, he, he will be gone in a minute. There he is. Boom. Boom. Now he's gone. Now we done kicked him to the curb. That was Dean Wesley Smith, guys and girls. Uh, to ever ask that other question, you can always go eat at the barbecue with him if you win right into the future. Yeah, you, you can sit out there and, and have barbecue with him. And uh, he knows a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Actually, the last two years, most of the questions I heard asked him wasn't so much about being an author. It was about running how he ran his business and how did he get to where he was. Well, he's got a lot of knowledge about that. And, you know, if you got enough books, you can go there. Yes, you do. But all I can tell you is submit. No, you can submit four times a year. Who, who said, who told you that? No, you can submit four times. What do you mean? I don't think you can send 10 books at one time. No, it's one per quarter. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, see. Go to some bad information. Rules there. Yes, riseofthefuture.com. Click, 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 click. When we get ready to get out of here, Emily's about to hurt John. Linda's about to hurt me. We don't want to see no blood on the TV sets or anything. This is not a horror show. Look, guys and girls, I'm glad everybody's starting to find the author's quill. I see we were over 400,000 again today, so it makes me real happy. 80-something countries makes me real happy. So what I want to see y'all do, I want to start seeing y'all click, 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 click. Because really and truly, this is probably going to be the only show we're going to be able to sell books on because I've noticed We've 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 run book sales for five different groups now, and I've seen just nil. I mean, some sales, but just just pathetic. 
Uh, I've seen other things selling this network, bam, 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 bam. But for some reason, books doesn't seem to be one of the things. So this show should help with that because most of the people coming here will be people who are interested in authors. Yes, we're just we're just compacting it for y'all. So you don't have to go fishing all over the network for who you're looking for. And uh, well, I had because I've had people scream at me about having authors on UFO on the cover. And I got somebody the other day said, why are you doing, why aren't you talking to this guy? Why aren't you doing a damn news? <laughs> it's like, so this way it's all compressed in one place. Yes. Um, I will be in LA a couple of days this year. So if you want to holler at me, if you've got my personal phone number or my email, you can get hold of me that way. If you don't, you're probably not going to get hold of me. That means you're not a friend of mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to get hold of me. Well, I'm just being honest, man. I don't want to yeah, lie yeah, to you, but. Yeah. No, but really, we got to go. We, we got to go. What do you mean? No, John's married. So why y'all always ask me if John's married? He's, you know, he got a good wife at home. Yeah, she's, she's, she's awesome the boss wife. anyway. Yeah, she's the boss. No, she's she's no, she's no, a sweetie pie. I love to pick on her. One day she's just going to punch me. <laughs> I love to pick on her. Her and Sarah are my two favorite people to pick on. No, we got to go. Are you um, coming to the uh, Scott Card thing tonight? Yes, I am. So just. I um, the link, so you've got it. Yeah, I got the link in there. If you think about it, like ten minutes before, just, I know you're going to be busy, but try to pop me a link. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna put it on Alexa. It's eight o'clock my time, right? Correct. Alexa, set alarm for seven fifty p.m. Alarm set for seven. We'll take care of that problem right now. <laughs> before I go, I'm gonna let you go. We we've been using Alexa has become a TV star with us now. She's been being used on the news show from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's like was that alexa i said yeah it was alexa i said i'm not gonna get up and i'm not gonna take the time to go through my computer i just ask alexa <laughs> oh that's just too much but anyway guys and girls i want to thank everyone for tuning in to the author's quill with john and i and i hope everybody had a good time remember john's on mondays at 4 p.m so you can catch him there uh he's uh his uh as a matter of fact um last week's show just aired before this show today so uh y'all can catch it there and of course it's always an archive on all of our archive sites on that note Good evening, good afternoon, and I will see y'all uh, Wednesday. Stay tuned for whoever's next. Oh, the gray zone. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody. Okay.